Hey there, listeners. Every episode, I ask you to leave a review of Beta Cell in your podcast app. And every time you don't, I know you feel really guilty. So why don't you just take 60 seconds out of your day, leave a review, and then you won't feel so bad anymore. Thanks. Welcome back to Out of Range, the talk show about real things diabetes. I'm here again with Hannah Crabtree. This episode, we're looking back uh, from be about a week or two ago uh, from some exciting stuff that was going on in Montana. For a hot minute there, Montana was the center of the diabetes world. Hannah, you want to walk us through what happened? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Craig. So... Montana is the latest state that is trying to do an insulin copay cap bill. And really the discourse that happened was the rep leading this in Montana, Rep Karjala, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, to be fair. She's a Democrat, probably one of the few Democrats in Montana. And she was responding to what I presume to be Republican pushback about the bill. So a Republican called it a big pharma bill. And she went ahead and retweeted it and was very insistent that this bill is not a big pharma bill and that organizations such as the American Diabetes Association and one of the local, I think, like dietitian CDE organizations that they were just normal people with diabetes who hadn't invested interest in getting this bill passed. And we started to push back a little bit on this idea that it's not a pharma bill because what we found over the past two years of really being on the ground with these insulin copay cap bills is that these bills are sanctioned by Big Pharma. And it's not that Big Pharma necessarily created them out of thin air. Maybe they did. The first one got started in Colorado, and then from there it spread like wildfire, and the American diabetes picked that up as a legislative priority. So they're bills that are sanctioned by Big Pharma that are being pushed by the American Diabetes Association. And we just really wanted Rep Karjala to understand kind of the power implications of what was happening with her individual copay cap bill. And it did not go over well. And when you say we, you mean individuals with type one fighting the diabetes advocacy fight, probably on Twitter. Definitely a Twitter focused fight of the week. Folks like Laura Marston and I we have been pushing back about not even copay cap bills themselves, but just really awful messaging surrounding those bills and trying to get state legislators and other politicians and the media to understand, one, who these bills actually impact, because spoiler alert, they don't actually impact a whole lot of people in any individual state. And then two, having all of these parties accurately message that bill so that the people it applies to, they know that they can go get their copay capped insulin, but everyone else 
understands that this isn't their ticket to not paying full price at the pharmacy counter. And we have instances where people are showing up to the pharmacy and other states that have passed this bill thinking this copay cap applies to them when it doesn't. And then the $50 insulin that they've budgeted for is two grand. These bills get a lot of press when they go out. They get a lot of press from both you know, local media as well as from diabetes organizations kind of saying how great these are. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding on, like you're saying, what a copay cap does. And I think the messaging you're alluding to is that we're pretty much capping the list price of insulin at like $50 a month. And that's not what it does, right? Yeah. So, and let's break it down too and make sure that everyone who's listening to this knows who these bills impact. So a copay cap is going to apply in any individual state to state regulated insurance plans. So a state can only, you know, enforce legislation on the plans it has jurisdiction over. So that's going to be certain types of employer plans, but not all employer plans. These are going to be small, large group employer plans, and then also marketplace plans in most cases. I think there was something in Virginia where they had to tweak some regulatory process so that it could even apply to marketplace plans. So states actually don't regulate a lot of insurance plans of the people in their state who have insurance. And I think a lot of people can figure out that a state copay cap might is probably not going to apply to Medicare or TRICARE or some of these really obviously federally government regulated insurance plans. But or the uninsured, right? It's not going to apply to the uninsured. But a distinction that people really miss and really do not pick up on is that the federal government actually regulates about 60% of employer plans. So these are called self-funded plans. And if you work for a large company that is doing business in multiple states, it's likely that your employer has to self-fund their own insurance plan. Otherwise, they would have to essentially broker insurance plans in 50 different states for their employees. So we're in this situation where people think that they're good with an employer plan, and 60% of the time they're not. And that distinction has been missed in pretty much every single article I've read except for maybe one. So That's a very glaring oversight that I think is causing a lot of these people to show up to the pharmacy to think that it applies to them. And one of those stories went viral. I think it was an Illinois couple, right, showed up thinking their insulin was going to be 50 bucks. And I don't remember how much it was, but it was a lot more than that. But that seemed to get some actual traction outside of the diabetes world. Yeah. And then there was also a few stories out of Colorado as well, since Colorado was one of the first states that implemented one of these bills. And what you end up seeing, too, that 
Colorado implemented their bill in 2019, but it wasn't going to go into effect until 2020. And so all the states that have been working on these bills in like the latter half of 2019, maybe even early 2020, are going to start hitting this year. So we're going to see possibly an influx of confused people at their pharmacy. And so how do we know that this is the work of Big Pharma? So... There was a piece that I think Fair Warning did. They're a very targeted news source that they ended up running for NBC News. So they did a lot of background reporting on what was happening with the copay cap fight. And there was definitely an instance where in Tennessee, a lawmaker wanted to actually try to cap the list price of insulin. And the insulin manufacturers were like, wait, what about a copay cap? Um, So they're at least using it as sort of like a negotiation tactic to get lawmakers to maybe shy away from some of these bills that may actually have more impact on people's day-to-day lives. And speaking of that, you went in and tried to figure out exactly how many people this bill in Montana would affect. Yep. What'd you come up with? So... In Montana, it's going to impact 5,000 to 6,000 people with diabetes. And I actually did this analysis for every single state because when the Colorado bill got passed, it kept getting messaged as a price cap. Like the bill name was literally reduce insulin prices. And we knew that it wasn't going to impact all plans, but no one was actually sitting down and doing the research as to what the bill would actually impact. And so that was when I started thinking that it could be a good data opportunity for my little data blog. And I actually spent an afternoon digging through Colorado insurance regulations. I mean, anyone can do this type of work if you're willing to put in the time and do the research. And That was when I kind of figured out that missing piece with the self-funded employer plans being federally regulated. And at the time, back in 2019, we knew of a few more states that wanted to do this. So my inclination was that we needed this information because I was able to calculate for Colorado how what percentage of insurance plans in that state would be impacted by this bill. And I decided that as a movement, we needed to know this for every single state and have like some punchy statistic that we could throw out um, to make it really clear that these bills were not, you know, the holy grail solution for us. And so that was when we came up with that 27% number. So if you hear copay cap bills only impact 27% of plans, that was a statistic that I went and sourced. And then later on, people were interested in knowing the actual numerical figures. So I ran two different methodologies trying to actually estimate the number of insulin-dependent people who had these insurance plans who would be impacted. It makes sense that pharma would see, you know, some states, some representatives wanting to pass bills that maybe they think go a little too far, would hurt their profits a little too much. So they come in and they kind of gaslight us almost and 
and come up with this, oh, it sounds so great. Well, pharma shouldn't be losing any money on these bills because it's going to hit at that insurance level. And so I think there's been a lot of insurance estimates done. And I think the leading estimate is that by doing a copay cap bill, it may increase your premium 10 cents or so, like very some very small amount. But like I think another important like consideration and nuance that a lot of us miss that's really hard to message is that one, the amount of people I've estimated who are impacted by these bills is really a ceiling because for something like a $100 copay cap, in order for that to actually impact someone's day-to-day lives, they have to have a plan that's actually impacted by the bill. Their copay has to be $100 or more. They need to otherwise not be hitting their deductible in the year by other diabetes supplies because otherwise it's just a cash flow help, right? If you're paying for your $100 insulin, but then your $5,000 pump supplies hit during the year, you're still outlaying the same amount of cash for that deductible. The copay cap in that case simply only helps your cash flow so that maybe it's manageable and that one giant bill doesn't lock you out of the insulin you need. So in many cases, this isn't even a money saver for people. And then, you know, I think otherwise, you know, if those two situations don't apply to you, if you can't afford your high copay insulin, but you can somehow afford a $100 copay for each insulin prescription. So when we actually think about from that estimated number to reasoning through some of these situations people are in, I honestly don't think it helps a lot of people at all. I guess if if, the, if you're listening to this and it has helped you, shoot us an email. We'd love to uh, figure out your very specific circumstances to figure out who else, uh, you know, how many people are actually being helped by these things. Okay, so these bills are being put out maybe to save pharma from losing money by kind of shifting that to insurance companies. But then I guess the question is, why are nonprofits behind these? Like, why is the American Diabetes Association and other type one organizations saying, you know, these are great? Yeah. And the American Diabetes Association has actually greatly expanded their reach into copay cap bills, as in they are the driving forces behind some of them in some of these states. For my state example, Virginia, Virginia is actually very interesting because the person who did the copay cap bill in our state is Lee Carter. And if people aren't familiar with Lee Carter, Lee Carter is a democratic socialist in our state house. And he, even he, right, someone who's a socialist, someone who is going to ideally want that list price cap or public manufacturing of insulin, even he fell for, you know, the American Diabetes Association push to do a copay cap. And for Lee Carter, that's really smart for him because it shows that he can compromise on kind of these all or nothing situations. But it's also this instance where he's been going out, you know, talking about how he's also done so much work lowering the price of insulin. And so, you know, leftists 
think that Lee Carter solved insulin for us in Virginia because he's a socialist and sought out to do it. And so I think that's a really interesting political thing that's happening here on the ground in Virginia. Um, But yeah, with the American Diabetes Association, they are actually listed as someone you can contact about the bill in Montana. So when the representative in Montana wrote the op-ed pushing for this bill, an op-ed that did not clarify who the bill would actually impact, it was, please contact us or this representative from the American Diabetes Association to find out more. So it's very much being this American Diabetes Association-driven bill right now. And like you're saying, in Virginia, when these organizations go to representatives, they claim to represent people with type 1, say, this is good for our demographic, you should do this. And they kind of just take the word probably of these patient advocacy organizations, which is a whole different topic we will get to. Do we think that the ADA is being gaslit? I think they're gaslighting everyone else. So do you think that they know that these aren't helping that many people? Yeah. And On one hand, states are doing what they can do, right? States can't control that they don't regulate federal plans. But the American Diabetes Association also isn't coming out strong on messaging or making sure that these messaging points are clear. And I think that's extremely nefarious because, you know, politicians, right? Politicians have no vested interest in messaging these bills correctly, right? At least if they have political ambitions, right? They're going to rise insulin to the top. The media is just not informed on diabetes issues and local news outfits probably aren't going to do the deep dive as to analyzing these plans. And when politicians are also messaging them as price caps, it really sort of simplifies that issue for the local media. The American Diabetes Association absolutely knows what's going on. And I honestly think it's intentional that they are not stepping in, asking for better messaging on this because there are long-term impacts on the fight for insulin for all that come out of these copay cap bills. All of a sudden, we have these states who've already passed an insulin bill. So now we're coming back to ask them to pass more bills or it gives this perception that the American Diabetes Association actually does care about insulin as an issue. When we've seen that they've been extraordinarily reactive to the grassroots raising the flags on a whole bunch of different insulin issues. So the American Diabetes Association has always been reactionary. And so this gives them an opportunity to come out and say that they're spearheading all these bills. They're actually doing stuff. Without actually doing that much. No. And I think it's, I I don't know if I'm taking enough credit or taking too much credit when we talk about copay cap bills, but there were a few state legislators who were doing these bills on in the early days who had no clue what the bills were going to do and who they were going to impact. And so people in the community, you know, the insulin for all activists on the ground working with these legislators, because in the early days, it was very much grassroots people doing the bulk of the work on the ground until the ADA started taking over. 
these grassroots folks were emailing their reps, like my data blog right up. And they were like, wow, we had no idea. And I was like, this is actually terrifying. Um, and that's, I think, a criticism of how state legislators are underpaid and not funded well enough. But that was a little concerning. And then what we found, too, is that when state legislators have to actually quote a number of people who are impacted by the bills, those estimates like pretty much match mine exactly. So I don't know if they're finding my work and just you know, deciding that my data methodology is solid or enough, or if the ADA is copying and pasting my spreadsheet or just recreating stuff, but their numbers are spot on to mine. And that's what we saw in Montana too, when this lady spent two days arguing with me on Twitter, blocked me, and then was later quoting how it was going to impact five to 6,000 Montanans. And I'm like, cool, that's my statistic. Why did this fight get so heated on Twitter with this woman in Montana, a world away from Virginia? I have actually have a kind of a few regrets as to how that went down. I think <laughs> we are fed up with copay cap bills. I'm really sick of talking about copay cap bills and how I have to talk about copay cap bills constantly. So I think our approach was maybe a little aggressive with this whole um they are big pharma bills, and maybe we seemed like we were kind of opposition and not just people who had a vested interest in this bill and a vested interest in, you know, our people, diabetes, family in Montana, like having access to insulin. And so the big pharma thing, I think, rubbed her the wrong way, and she didn't quite understand the point we were making about the American Diabetes Association being funded by pharma. She very much took it as a patient advocacy organization's lookout for the people. Why are you marring their good name? And then from there, when I was trying to get her to be more on point with messaging, she started just selectively reading my responses and, you know, throwing a bunch of like, just logistical fallacies at me. Um, you know, she kept talking about how I don't live in Montana, so like I'm not allowed to have an opinion. And then she decided that I was a leftist, like, <laughs> like I was like a leftist troll because probably because I have socialist in my Twitter bio, but she decided that it was like the far right and the extreme left teaming up together to take down her bill. And so she actually had a tweet saying that. <laughs> And it just got really out of control. And this was the same day where all the Nick Jonas stuff was going down. So the Twitter community was tied up in Nick Jonas while I was fighting with this Montana rep. But people started catching on later. And then she ended up just blocking all of us. Yeah. And, and I guess that last uh, point you were making is pharma gives a lot of money to the ADA. And then ADA is going to states, helping them craft these copay cap laws that don't help that many people on paper and even less people in practice, chalking it up as a win for them. Pharma can chalk it up as a win for themselves and representatives can chalk it up as a win for 
the good fight and tell everyone what a good job they did. And people with type one or insulin dependent diabetics lose basically, Mm -hmm. or at least nothing happens. But maybe the effect is actually that everyone legislators move on from this issue because they think we've solved it. Copay cap, you know, moving on to something else. And how do we go back and say, oh, we're still, you know, not affording insulin. And they can just say, oh, we did this thing last year. Didn't you see? Like, we're done. Like, so I think it, it ends up misrepresenting what's actually going on and probably hurts the, the overall effort, even if it's helping a couple people get insulin. And I think, too, the terrifying update from this week, maybe not terrifying, it's probably maybe a net positive here. They're starting to do these copay cap bills for other drugs now. So Virginia just passed one for inhalers. And what makes me really nervous about this, other than, you know, copay caps continuing their mismessaging terror across the country, is that we know that of patient groups, people with diabetes are some of the most organized and engaged with one another online. And we also know that there's people in this community, I mean, I'll give a shout out to myself, who actually care to go in and analyze the impacts of these bills, who care about data. I'm nervous that other patient communities don't have that. And so what happens when these copay cap bills start impacting way more patient communities where they're just completely blindsided as to what happens um, when these bills actually go live? And maybe I'm not giving them enough credit, but I don't know if our whole copay cap messaging, you know, that we're doing on the grassroots. They don't apply to all plans. They're not price caps. I don't know if that is going to actually transcend to like other patient communities. And that worries me. And and I think we're going to come back to this point a lot in our little advocacy episodes, because I think it's a big one, the issue of conflict of interest and the fact that politicians are getting uh, donations from pharma, nonprofits are being paid for by big pharma. So we know that pharma is not good, right? They're not doing these out of the kindness of the heart. They're businesses, right? Their, Their goal is to make money. If they wanted to do good things, they could just do those good things and lower the price of insulin. I don't really know what the, what the moral is besides uh, don't trust anyone, but I guess uh, maybe it's that looking to the grassroots type one advocacy community, like the stuff you're doing is where people don't have a conflict of interest and are really just trying to do this stuff um, to help, even if it seems like you just end up getting blocked. Definitely. Yeah. It's really just being someone who's neutral. And I'm also someone who really enjoys working with data too and figuring out puzzles. And my work on this is very solid. And my dream would be for more politicians, more people from the media to really get something out of that. 
um, and really, you know, think critically as to what is happening and why the messaging needs to be extremely specific and extremely on point. Like, why is that important? And I think that's just the final piece that's just really missing. Well, that is our fight of the week, as I'm calling it. Uh, we will be back with you guys soon with our next great fight. We have to come up with some point with like a closing slogan. What? I like fight of the week. <laughs> After we recorded this conversation, I reached out to the American Diabetes Association asking why they're supporting copay cap bills like this one in Montana and why they aren't clear on how many people these bills actually help. They got back to us and replied that they are, quote, tackling the issue of insulin affordability through a multi-pronged approach and that they are, quote, creating a groundswell that is raising awareness of the need for the federal government to step up while at the same time bringing much-needed economic relief to those on state-regulated health insurance plans. I'm going to Montana to spend the winter are you interested in the insulin policy work that Hannah talked about doing herself in this episode? Well, right now, the Beta Cell Foundation is working on an exciting, comprehensive advocacy project where we're looking at all the laws that govern everything from how we access insulin to how much it costs. We just started collecting state-by-state -state policy data, and we need your help filling in the gaps. You don't need to be an expert. You just have to have access to the internet which I know you do, since otherwise you wouldn't be hearing this. Specifically, we're looking to collect stories and information about various drug transparency laws in every state. Drug transparency laws can require drug manufacturers, PBMs, and health insurance carriers to provide information to the public about why drug prices are increasing and can also implement penalties for refusing to report that information. If you're interested in helping out, send an email to advocacy at betacellfoundation.org. Thanks. Out of Range is a production of Beta Cell, and it's produced and edited by me, Craig Steubing. If you have other advocacy topics you want us to hash out for you on the show, let us know. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Beta Cell Podcast. And now we're even on Clubhouse, even though we don't really know how that works. You can also email me at craig at betacellpodcast.com. Betacell is a listener-supported show, which means our episodes are made for you, not some corporation, and definitely not for Big Pharma. If you want to help support what we're doing, you can join us on Patreon for just a few dollars a month. You'll get new podcast episodes before everyone else, bonus clips, behind-the-scenes content, and most importantly, monthly video hangouts with me and all the Beta Cell supporters. There's a link in the show notes for how to join. We really appreciate it. This love I've held inside me for so long and helped me sing my Montana song.